0: Welcome to my podcast, Coach G, Transforming Athletes and Purpose Driven People. The goal of my show is to inspire rugby players, athletes and everyday people so that you can chase your goals, overcome those obstacles, turn your vision into a reality. I'll be inviting unbelievable guests in the world of sports as well as the corporate space sharing their tools and their knowledge on performance mindset mental resilience and entrepreneurship i am your host coach g Gertrude stienkam i'm a former international rugby player and world cup winner with south africa in 2007 i've been retired since 2017 from the game of rugby and today i'm a professional rugby and scrum coach I am passionate about helping rugby players improve their performance on the rugby field as well as front row rugby players to dominate the scrum. Another passion of mine is to help people develop mental resilience so that they can transform physically, mentally and emotionally. And every single week I'll be launching two new episodes. On Tuesday it will be a Q&A interview with an unbelievable athlete or a specialist in the corporate world and on fridays it will be my solo episode where i'll be sharing my knowledge and experience in elite sports but also life in general welcome to another episode of my podcast coach g and i'm super excited about today's guest none other than the legendary chase ryan he's the forwards coach of the crusaders super rugby champions Chase started out his career as an amateur coach and has gone all the way and has been the forwards coach of the Crusaders for the past five years. He has won five Super Rugby Champions. He's got an unbelievable story. He has achieved great things and has made so many sacrifices to get where he is today this man is not just about rugby he is so much more he talks about core values about the human side of things but you will hear more in today's episode all right hi everyone welcome to my podcast coach g and i've got a super guest today my man jace ryan all the way from new zealand all right before i give him a brief introduction jace how are you doing brother how's things going
1: yeah very well mate yeah good to uh good to chat with you again and uh yeah, all things are uh, going pretty well over here and uh, loving
0: Oh man, listen here, Jace, you know, firstly, lots of respect for your brother. You know, you've uh, achieved so many great things over the last few years. And well, congratulations, you guys have just won the championship again, won the Super Rugby with the Crusaders. So for all the listeners that not knowing that Jace is the forwards coach of the Crusaders and you've involved with Fiji as well. But Jace, give us a bit of a summary of your career we have coached before.
1: Yes, yeah, so I cut um, a little bit of a different track um, to most coaches where I come through the amateur uh, the amateur ranks. Um, I coached underage rugby, uh, sort of cults in first 15 grades, specifically just helping out the front row um, initially and then started doing a little bit just working around the clubs um, in Christchurch and helping out different clubs. Um, the club I played for was Sydenham, so I sort of started there and, got involved helping out some specific scrum guys and just just trying to nail one area really with the front row and just going around tirelessly after work and um, volunteering, just helping out other other clubs all around that Canterbury area. And then sort of just got busier and busier really and then um, picked up a little bit of work with the Canterbury Academy. Uh, It was the Canterbury Academy now. It's now the Crusader Academy obviously and started working with um, some young guys in in, in that um, academy that are now you know, super rugby um, players, the likes of, um, you know, Ben Fennell was in the academy then, uh, Daniel Leonard-Brown, Owen Franks, um, just to name a few, you know, Cody Taylor, um, they all came through that, that canterbury system and I just started doing more and more and then um, I had, uh, I was had a mining and drilling business and it was hard getting time off work because I started um, helping out the Black Ferns and they had a World Cup in France, so, that was probably my first sort of opportunity I guess as a team as such um, and yeah so I had to take some time off work to do that and yeah I was just getting more and more opportunities and then um Canterbury asked me, Razor got the, him and I met through the Crusader Knights uh, development team initially he was coaching them um, which was only four games in a tournament you know you'd sort of have half a dozen training he said mate well, I've been doing some stuff for the academy do you want to come down and help run our scrum and I said yeah yeah no I'd love to and because it was short and there was people from all over the place coming into that development team was basically the young guys that didn't make the crusaders for that weekend so I think my first scrum session was about seven minutes (laughs) (laughs) So, so so yeah I was doing a little bit of that and then helped him out um for that tournament and then um did a little bit with the west coast heartland team which is all amateur and and then he got when he got the head coach um Job with Canterbury. He so said, "Look, I'd like you to come in and be my scrum coach." Um, it was only a part-time gig. It was, uh, I think, it was two and a half thousand dollars for the season. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was so many hours, and um, yeah, so I did that, and then did that for two or three years. I was just managing my work, managing the business, um, and had a really good employer at the time, and it was just they were giving me plenty of time off, and then. Um, He said, "Look, I really want you to come on board as my forwards coach now." Um, So we'd won a couple of titles um, when I was just a scrum coach, and then he said, "Look, I really want you to nail forwards coach." Um, And I was like, "Okay, great. This is this is awesome. You know, great opportunity. New Zealand under 20s. He had that as well." So I was helping him with that, but it was all part time. It was getting really tough um, from the work side of it, and. So I'd ask, so he said, but what it looks like for the third coach for Canterbury is it's 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 full-time, but it's only full-time in campaign, which was four months, the Moda 10 Cup, you know. So I had to ask my boss, I said, look, is there any chance I could take four months leave without pay? And they mm. said, nah. And I sort of understood that. And then, uh, so so it was at that stage where I had to make a massive decision in my life. You know, I had two young kids. We just bought a new house, and I remember going around and said to my dad, and sat down with him around the dinner table, and said, "Look, this is this is what's coming about. What are you what are your thoughts?" So um, I chucked my job in for um, just a part time four month four months work, which wasn't much um, in those days either. I had a pretty good job as it was, and he said, "Mate, if you're serious about coaching." my advice is you just back yourself and don't die wondering you're young enough if it doesn't work out that you'll get another job somewhere so i chucked my job in and i went from a pretty good salary to a four-month contract straight away into the unknown i remember my first paid bill coming in i was like oh my god what have we done you know <laughs> saying to, saying to the wife oh no we've made a shocking mistake here this is just a selfish decision for me and rugby and so forth and and then I started getting a little bit of work with some uh, rugby development work with the club, with Sydenham, and did a little bit of work with New Zealand rugby, just chipping away, chipping away, trying to find a salary, you know? Yeah. Did a little bit over in Brazil, um, coached a little bit over there for with Razor, and then when we were away in the New Zealand under-20s at um, in Manchester, he had applied for the head coach role of Crusaders, and uh, it was obviously a pretty hotly contested group of people. You know, we'd just won... I think it was two years, uh, four years, might have ten cup together, um, and this was sort of heading into our last year. And we we're over in Manchester. I knew had done, he had done an interview like this pretty much online uh, in front of the board. And we were just about to come home, and uh, went down to a coffee shop, and we we're just having a coffee together. And he got the phone call and said, "Mate, I've got, I've got the Crusaders job, head coach." And I was like, "Oh, mate, awesome!" I was just so <laughs> pleased for him. You know, like I was just totally thrilled, and and wanted to. Um, wanted him to enjoy that because I know he'd worked hard and he'd started from the bottom himself. You know, he, he hadn't just gone straight away full time into coaching. And um, so just enjoyed the moment with him and really good. And then it was probably just about a day before I left. He said, Look, mate, I just let you know that um, when I interviewed for the role, um, I said to them, I want to take the forwards coach role to the market. I want to go to the world and see who's out there because I want to get the best, um, but I want you to apply. Um, so there was no guarantees, which was which was great, so I went through the process and interviewed and that was, that was a good experience, so uh, I knew that I interviewed against a couple of other pretty good key people and I was probably still a little bit unknown in the professional ranks as such, you know, and yeah, five years later, we've just done our fifth year together, fifth final, and we've got a pretty good relationship and we're both very different, which is probably why we work so well together, you know, but I think I got there by just a bit of determination and backing myself and just being who I am. You know, I think a lot of coaches can get caught up in yeah. trying to be someone else. You know, I think we all take little bits and pieces out of coaches and what they offer and little good bits, you know, oh, yeah, we'll use that. But you still got to be who you are as a person. And I think that's why um, I think I've, you know, had some pretty good rewards. But she was some hell of a decision a few years ago that we made and it's all worked out.
0: You know, um Jace, you know, and uh, just great listening to that because there are so many questions. I'm going to do my best to get all the questions in. Um, you know, it, it's great to see your, your evolution as a coach, you know, from when you started just as a scrum coach. And um, I want to touch on a few questions because the biggest question that I get from people in general or players, you know, how do you get started? So, right, Jace, you know, we see a lot of former professional rugby players going straight into coaching, you know, once they've retired. And you know, they don't really go through the natural process of doing grassroots coaching and you know, putting in the yards. Some of them are good, but I do believe you need to go through those different steps.
1: What's your point of view on that? Yeah, I think it's really important to coach um, at the amateur level. There's a lot of stuff that, um, and situations that I've used when I was coaching amateur rugby, like for example, on the West Coast, which is a heartland competition and club rugby where. You, know, you had to manage people and you know they're coming from their work and um you know you got your plan a session and you have to adapt because you haven't got the numbers there that you thought and you sort of you know you in a way you're sort of coaching under pressure which is we're always coaching under pressure because we've got we've got time we all want more time um in those situations of even working when i was doing you know sales rep i was butchered by trade dealing with people in retail and that sort of thing it's all part of um, i guess the bigger picture which is basically dealing with people if you can build relationships and build um, trust with people and they trust you well they'll play for you and i think a lot of that is done through coaching at a you know lesser level to understand that when you get really put under pressure and dealing with people and you know that want to be the highest and the best players they can be they, they need good support and be able to read the cues and see that i think it's a huge part of coaching and I always now make time to try and go down to a school team or go down to a club team it keeps me sharp because you actually you actually coach more in a way because the professional guys they they just need 1 or 2% because they're that good um so I actually, I still enjoy that and I find that quite rewarding to still go back and um always make time for those boys
0: yeah, you know, it's so funny you say that. I do believe when I started, when I stopped my career, I was just coaching all over and I'm still a volunteer at a local club, you know, an amateur club. And it's just so rewarding because I do believe as professional players, we are spoiled. All right, let's, let's just call a spade a spade with all the facilities, all the specific coaching. And like you said, when you're coaching a professional rugby player, you're trying to tell him to drop your eye, he drops it. You tell him to, okay, you overextended, you're in the wrong position, your angles aren't correct. He understands it. But when you go to a player, a youngster or amateur player, it's like, okay, but I'm trying. I don't know how. Then you actually need to focus on how you're explaining it. You need to create specific drills that you can actually take them where you want to be. And I found that really rewarding because there were times when I was coaching, especially under 16s. You know, that's a tough age. Uh, they're not always listening. And they said, like, oh, but I'm not getting it right. And then you need to remain patient. You can really get tested. I remember... There were some stages I was sitting in my car before training and I actually didn't want to go coach because <laughs> these kids would come up there and they just give me lip. You know, in France, it's a bit different, mate, but I do believe coaches need to go through that process. And one thing you, which, which I like about your journeys, Jason, you know, you, you just prove, you know, you played some rugby back
1: in your day. Did you play professional rugby? No, I did not come through the amateur level, just club yeah. rugby here. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I cut my own track. I am who I am, and um, I was pretty fortunate in in my when I, when I started to get into coaching that I had a an outstanding mentor and Mike Cron. You know, he he's he's been phenomenal, and and sometimes it's not what a, what a, probably what a, I learned a lot of technical stuff off off Crono and watched him Harry coached and went down to All Black trainings, went down and when he was helping the Crusaders and. I got a couple of key words, but but it was what I got out of him was how he delivered it, and the questions that he asked, and giving players time to answer them because coaches, we all talk too much, especially especially a young coach. Yeah, you know, he gave me some feedback after a session early days in, in, in Canterbury, and we went over to Machino and, which is across the road from Rugby Park, and he said, "Mate, I'll give you some feedback on your clip, on your on your your session, you know, your review." He said. I thought you were really well prepared, um, and you had a good manner. And what stood out for me is the questions you asked were outstanding. So I'm sitting there, proud as punch, going, "Shit, I'm going alright here. Yeah, this this is really good." And he said, "You asked ten questions. Who who do you think answered them?" And I'm I'm sitting there and I'm I'm trying to work it out. I said, "Oh, said a couple of players' names." And he goes, "No, no." He said, "You you asked ten questions and you answered every single one yourself." And he said. Do you know why I did it? Why you did it? And I said, Well, obviously, because I knew the answer. And he said, No, a young coach is scared of silence. And the silence is where the magic happens. You ask a question, just let them think about it, or you get the iPad, you're showing them a setup, have a look at this, what are you seeing? And just keep asking questions, and they get it. That's the light bulb moment, as opposed to giving them everything in the first session, you know? So, I learned a lot from that, and um, you know those those deadly silence forward sessions when everyone's looking at you and you think, oh no, no one knows what I'm talking about here. They're actually thinking. So getting that sort of thing and and um, uh, being having him as a mentor and that that really helped me. And he's been a massive part of um, my journey. No, it's so it's so important
0: in terms of the coaching as well. You know, you need to you need to evolve, you need to learn, and I think you were so lucky to be mentored by Mike Cron, who's a legend in the scrummaging world. But what I'm trying to get across is that you know, Jace, and that's what I love about you, man. You know, you've just shown, and that we we get sometimes caught up in the rugby world, especially in the modern era. We do believe coaches need to play at a certain level. We look in France; most of the coaches all play top fourteen. All right. And uh, we have a big issue in France as well, especially your coaches that didn't play at the highest level. They are constantly doubting themselves. They don't believe they have credibility. And I told them, no, you need to focus on your skill set. You need to focus on your knowledge. You don't have to be a professional rugby player to be a great coach. Because I actually believe there's very little professional rugby players that become great coaches. So what I'm trying to tell people and for those listening, Jason, you know, if you're willing to grow if you're willing to put in the hard work, and what stands out to me, you made a tough decision, man. You went all in, you know. Yeah, you I burnt coaches. the boats. Yeah,
1: sorry. <laughs> I burnt the boats. They call it burning the boats. <laughs> you burnt the boats. It's and a great point you make around the professional player, then going straight into coaches. And 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 there is some great coaches around the world like if you look at i talked about mike cron he's a police officer steve hanson undoubtedly one of the best coaches the world's ever seen he was a police officer there's you know there's guys that have done trades or done some sort of career whether or not it's university study or whatever they've got something behind them that's a good foundation um look there is players out there that are um unbel- uh, coaches out there that have come straight out of coaching playing to coaches to coaching and, and and they do get it and that's freakish and you probably we all know guys that we played with that you just thought at the time oh man he's gonna be a coach. Yeah they know the game differently but um yeah it's it's rewarding and I know that I've got some skills where I can deal with people outside of even rugby conversations that helps them be better on the field.
0: No exactly I think we all have a unique skill set and I think it's important that we go through that process. You know I take myself What I really enjoy doing today as well is hosting um, like Scrum workshops, you know, with coaches, I'm flying out to Lille next week, working with the French Federation, and I'll be educating uh, 20 amateur coaches on the Scrum. So, you know, that for me, I'm loving that because that means I need to prepare and I need to be precise in my message, you know, to give Mm. them just the right amount of information and the right tools. And I'm enjoying that because That's also part of being a coach is also about sharing your knowledge. You know, you share your knowledge on quite a few platforms as well, which is just amazing. And I believe by sharing your knowledge, you're also pushing yourself as a coach to stay in front of the game and to continue to evolve. So, Jase, I just want to shift the conversation a little bit. You know, you've been part of the Crusaders and uh, I've played against the Crusaders a few times, man. I won't lie to you. There's been a few times I was, I remember back in the day playing against Rico Gear on the fence. I, I wouldn't even try to look at what he's doing. I would just close my eyes and choose a side because I knew he was going to step there a lot of me, you know, such amazing mm-hmm. players. And, you know, the Crusaders, massive legacy. And, you know, back in the days when I was playing for the Bulls, there was always this mutual respect, you know, I always loved having a few beers with the Franks brothers after the game, talking about the scrums, you know, we always had a good go at each other. But you guys have created something special there, something new, because of the last few years, you know, what I've seen is there's been an unbelievable culture. And I don't expect you to share your secrets, but I believe team culture plays a massive role in the success in the team. That's been our secret back in the day in the Bulls and also with the Springboks, you know, when we won the World Cup. What can you tell us about the importance of team
1: culture in your guys' environment? I think it's um it, it all comes back to behaviors. Um, the behaviors you accept or don't accept. And yeah, we're we're pretty fortunate with um our academy. Like our academy is the best rugby academy in the world. I think we've had nearly 80 plus all blacks now. We've had the most all black captains, um, crusaders have had the most all black coaches, we've got the most centurions, you know, which hundred game super players and the most all black hundred game tests. So there's a huge there's a there's a lot goes into that side of it. But I think we we talk a lot around um honesty and, and caring about each other. And you know we connect every day with a fist pump every morning, whether or not you're in the top office or wherever it is in the whole organization. And that's a big part of it. You know, we we don't we don't tolerate any dickheads. Um, you know, we do a lot of work on homework on players that we might be going to recruit and, and just find out a little bit about them off the field, who's been their mentors, who's helped them in their journey as a young fella. Because when they come into the high pressure level, we've got to make sure they've been looked after, you know. And if they've come through that academy system and their parents, especially mums, know that their sons are being looked after, and, you, and generally in an organisation that cares about you. You know, like a player like, you know, that's at the high level has a bad day at work. Five and a half million Facebook followers have got an opinion on him. Whereas the guy that's the builder has a bad day at work, he just gets a rev up from his boss. Yeah. <laughs> so we do a lot of that work off the field to set up our culture. And and we, you know, if you look at, you know, we talk, you know, you look at Razor, who's obviously our head coach, he's, he's different. You know he's unique and he is what he is. He's not trying to be anyone else. And if you look at the the last five years with us, we've really prided ourselves on making sure that the player can be themselves in the environment. If they can be themselves as a person, they'll be themselves as a player, and that's that's what we believe makes our organisation great. And we generally care about the boys, and we're we're we're, we're close and. You know, when, you know, it's like in teams when you're under the pump and at Loftus and you know that your brother's got your back, you know, a whole lot of Afrikaans just chewing through bries and drinking beers. That you've got to have your back <laughs> pretty fierce. So we do a lot of work with that off-field stuff um, probably, you know, as much as we do on-field to set guys up to succeed, and that's a big part of the culture. But not only that, we have a lot of fun. Now,
0: mate, you know, that's so awesome to hear because, you know, we're seeing a lot of stories starting to surface now with uh, former rugby players. You know, a lot of the battles they were facing, depression, anxiety. You know, I just chatted with a former Springbok the other day that said he was suffering from depression. His teammates didn't even know it. The coach knew it and they were managing it. And I do believe in this modern day, you know, things have changed. And we're starting to talk more about these uh, topics, and that's why I believe team culture really needs to be strong so that it can provide great support for players. And man, I just want to say, well done. Sounds like you, and what I like is you guys are also focusing on the human being. You're focusing on the player. So, you know, having that true sense of belonging, because we're all different, all right? Some guys are going to be loud, some guys are going to be quiet, but it's important that you have that sense of belonging. And I've always and that's why I just touched base because a lot of coaches always tell me strategy. All right, you need to have the best strategy. I'm like, no, it starts with culture. You can only build on your strategy if you have the culture set, that foundation. You know, earning a respect. I believe a lot in earning the respect of my players Right? I don't demand mm. respect, having that relationship of trust, because that's where I believe they'll go for the discretionary efforts. I mean, if you have to ask a player, the player trusts you, and you tell him, listen, you need to come on 6 a.m., we're going to be doing some scrum top-ups. He won't question you. He says, I'll mm. be their coach. But if you yeah. don't have that trust, and you tell a player, we need to disagree, like, oh, man, seriously? So I told yeah. coaches, you need that relationship of trust, which is important. That's the foundation of everything. I don't know if you agree think, with
1: that, my man. Yeah, mate, it's it's a word that we use often, but we we live it as well. Like you'll find that the good teams and the not so good teams have all got the same stuff written on the walls of their gym. Hmm. But it's the teams that live it, you know, and trust is a big part of it. And if the players trust the coach, he'll play for them. And you got to do that for you. And you earn respect because it's hard to get respect, but it's even quicker to lose it. Yeah, um, I think coaches, when they understand that they've got to be able to work with people, and then they'll be successful. I mean, you look at you look at, for example, referees. So you can see sometimes with referees that are doing a game that they haven't got a relationship with the captains under pressure. Mm. If you look at the top class referees that have been there for a long time, you, you know look at Yako Piper. We're on the South African buddy bandwagon at the moment, we might as we'll have a chat about that. But Yako, <laughs> Yako straight away he had the respect of the players. Not so, he wouldn't get every decision right. Not every referee is going to do that, but they had a good manner in working with the boys. They're not right in their face explaining it or They just it come in the shed, boys. This is what I need. One, two, three things, and we're all good. So straight away, he's built a relationship with the players. You do that, you get your trust. It just goes round and round. And I think also, Guthrie, you, you talked a little bit around coaches and strategy. And and like we can get too caught up in the detail as well. I think every coach has to have their point of difference. So if I look at you and I go, what is your point of difference? I would say, A, first and foremost, you love it. <laughs> <laughs> And B, you're an expert in something, which is the front row. Yeah. So if any back coach, he's either an expert at attacking or skills. He's, he's, an, he's not an expert in strategy. He's an expert in a skill set first, and then it goes into other opportunities. So I started in front row. Now I'm doing forwards coach. I'm doing um, line-out attack and maul attack, maul defense, line-out defense, and a little bit of breakdown stuff. So, But you got to start with something. Relationships, yeah. trust. But be an expert in something. So you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to ring him. He told me that. Otherwise, it's just going to be too much and it'll be mixed messages.
0: No, I totally agree with you, man. You know, I want to try and get into some of the props because a lot of the props ask me questions. But this is so valuable for coaches. And, you know, you're talking about you started as a scrum coach. And this is a lot of guys will always tell me, you know, gee, be careful. You just be known as a scrum coach. Obviously, I want to become a forwards coach one day. I want to be a manager one day. You know, I want to manage. I've got different philosophies. And there's a lot of players that are either line-out specialists or um, just scrum specialists, and they're struggling to make that next step. And what would your advice to them be? You know, if you are a specialist in a certain area and you want to involve into say a forwards coach role or into a
1: backline coach role, what would you advise them to do? I think it's – I've been fortunate enough to upskill in a a couple of different environments where I've – at the end of the year, maybe gone in. and um, So I went to Montpellier, I spent some time over there. I went to Saracens and and spent some time over there. And I actually didn't want to spend time so much with the scrum coach. That was my start point. Mm. But I wanted to see other areas and how that was coached. So I think a good way to diverse yourself if you're just doing the scrum at the moment, and I understand what you're saying around not just being a scrum coach. The first area where I reckon you could evolve yourself is anything to do with contact. So a scrum coach loves contact. Well, if he doesn't, he shouldn't be a scrum coach. That's the first. (laughs) The way the game's going, like we do a lot of pumbling. So I've looked at wrestling coaches. So you're doing a little bit of work with your body and that's all involved in the breakdown. Mauling and maul attack Mm. is something I love, which is basically... In a different way, it's scrummaging, but you just stand fire, but you still got to get to strong. So, if you can get to understand the contact area and how the body works outside of a scrummaging position, so you can get into your maul attack and your maul defense, I reckon that's a good start point. And I've learned a lot from other coaches. You know, I've seen, um, I've seen, you know, Sophie Pascoe, who's, you know, one of our, um, Disabled swimmers, you know, disabilities. She's got disability, only got the one leg, won a lot of golds at the Olympics. And her coach, Roly Crichton, he's in a wheelchair and he's going up and down the pool coaching her. And I've got so many bits of gold off him around his language and how he deals with her in the water, one on one athlete every day of the year. Whereas we've got a whole lot of players. So there's yeah. a lot of stuff that I've picked up from him, um, shot put coaches. All that sort of thing can help you grow. You've got to grow as a person first, not just be straight, you know, the detail, the scrum. You've got to understand the person and then coach them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. You need to know what triggers someone. You know, you can't just have the same coaching style for every person. I always say, I want to bring the best out of players. And it's funny that you mentioned that in terms of, Transitioning from Scrum Coach into contact zone, because that's exactly what I'm doing. Because you know, I've worked with various SNC coaches, functional patterns, experts, trying to understand the human body, getting them to know how they can generate power and harness power, especially in the context. And we see a lot of players just doing a handoff, just thrusting their hand out. I was like, no, you used to use, need to use your thoracic spine, you need to engage your core, you need to get that hip drive going, all those type of things. So it's quite interesting that you say that. And I always tell, like, don't always spend time with the coach, from coaches, speak to other coaches. I sometimes speak to backline coaches, defensive coaches. They're just getting yeah. to understand their process and their mind, which is important. Uh, Jace, you know, now the million dollar question. All right. And I don't want to put you under the pump, brother. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, you've done intensive research. I've done intensive research. So many other great people. People want to know what is the secret to dominating the scrum? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, shit. Getting eight people to do the same thing at the same time.
0: <laughs> That's easy. It's simple. It's that, it's that simple.
1: Yeah, I look, uh, you know, it, it's. I get asked that all, all, all the time. To, to put it down to one thing, I'm not sure. You've you got to have a good attitude towards it. I think you've got to problem solve in today's scrummaging you know sometimes there's a gap sometimes there's a not there's not a gap the referees are looking you know they want to delivering the same message but sometimes it's not so you got about adapt every scrum's different i've always said that it's like a boxing fight yeah you're not gonna every single round but if you win the fight well it's a good day and yeah. sometimes it, you know Not so good days, and sometimes you have great days, and um, you know we've had that, and and you know a lot to do with timing, and you know there's a lot of things. You know, I think for the modern day prop, you you can never, you you can't be strong enough. Yeah, you know, can't be strong enough, but you got to have flexibility, you got to have mobility. Now you got to be able to play the ball, you got to be able to do that. Yeah, got to have all of that in the game. So. To go back to your question around what makes a dominant scrum, I, I reckon you've got to have a phenomenal mindset to go forward and understand how to generate power in the best yeah. position. Yeah. No, you know, you know I say the boys, you're a squatter in a squat rack. You know, you're you, you're a squatter in a squat rack, even power. If you're standing there and you've got 300 kilos on the off, on the bar and 150 falls <laughs> off one falls off one end, you should be able to react and keep it there, you know. So all of that sort of thing, wrestling and and all of those primer drills help. You know, like sometimes coaches will have a look at the whole scrum, but get the boys to understand how to generate power individually first. And good technique where they can get the most power coming from the ground, well, you're going to get a dominant scrum. And everyone's got different scenarios on it around going forward, what do you want out of your scrum? Do you want to play off it? Do you want to scrum for penalties? And every coach should have their point of difference. You know, like I heard a call from World Rugby the other day where I heard um, a conference call that was getting taken and just took some notes on it. And we we don't actually want, in a way, every scrum to be the same because that means we're not coaching through our personality. You're going to coach this different to what I am. You know, New Zealand scrums are different to the South African scrums, to the Argentinian scrums, yeah. to England's, But that's exactly what we want, so there's always going to be a bit of a mess. But that's part of the game, isn't it? Yeah, no, 100%. I think, yeah. yeah, we can get too hung up on all. We've got to have a gap. We've got to be tidy. Mate, you've got all these boys in the front row and the, the big tight forward boys, they've been fucking in the gym all week. They're charged up. It's like the first scrum of the game. Let's go. That's what they want. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, man,
0: you know, it's it's so important, you know, and I like what you said about the primer drills, you know, getting players to understand how to generate power because you'll be surprised. Sometimes they don't. They might be strong in the gym, um, but they don't know how to generate power. And it's not just and, and sometimes coaches are often so focused on the front row, they are not focusing on the second rowers, the back row. Because mm-hmm. for me, that's where a lot of the power lies. You know, you, you yeah, know it as ball. well. You know, one second rower he stops applying pressure or one flanker just gets up or an eightman, we call it meerkatting, you know, boom, your scrum's gone. And mm. it's important for players to understand how a scrum works. You know, I've, I've worked with so many players and I asked them, so what does your coach tell you when you have a bad scrum? He would The words that he would get is, it's not good enough. You need to be more aggressive. You need to push more. And I'm like, but that, that that that's not enough. So I focus a lot on feedback. And I know you do exactly the same. Giving players feedback. I don't believe in criticism. Because criticism for me is just breaking down the player. As I tell players and I explain to them as a coach, I'm going to give you feedback. And this is to help you move forward, to allow you to evolve. And sometimes it's going to be tough to hear. But you need to know it's coming from a good place. This yeah. will, this will be not honest. yeah, be honest. Is, I want you to know where you stand. If you're not playing this week or you're not going to be playing next week, you need to know that the two guys ahead of you they inform. But if you work on this and this, this will give you the opportunity to play coming in the future. And often I've seen that with props, you know, being there myself. The the worst has been not knowing what you are doing wrong and not having a framework or a system which is helping you to continue to evolve. life. if you can, it happens. We get dominated in the scrum from time to time. But how do you recover from that? What are the mm. work ons you need to do? You need to stay yeah. sharp. You know, the difference between you dominating a scrum and being dominated, it's it's small margins. Can be mm. slow reaction speed, lack of concentration. So I, I believe, Jason, in, in giving players the tools, you know, getting them to understand why they struggled or why as a whole, the pack didn't perform well, because otherwise they tend to beat so hard on themselves and they just go down this rabbit hole of self doubt and so on. So basically the question I want to ask you is like, for example, if your team doesn't perform in the scrum
1: or a specific player doesn't, what do you do? How do you go about it? Yeah. So we'll review it first and foremost. If it's a, it depends if it's, so I base it on three key areas for my whole scrum preview and review is skill set, mindset, structure. So w- what is the skill set? Um, if it's the bind. So we're talking about the loose heads bind. Yeah. So if he had a strong, fast bind, he's used his bind as a weapon. That's great. If that's hasn't happened or he hasn't been successful on on that side of it we'll we'll look at it and we'll coach it but you start with each player's skill set and when they understand their skill set of where they get strong and were they in the strong position at the right time well then you review that because their skill set is a big part of the structure of the scrum your mindset Mm -hmm. has always got to be to be dominant I believe scrumming you've got to have a dominant mindset first and foremost and I don't think I've ever done a review where we haven't had that where the boys haven't had the right mindset there's always been something you know that technically we haven't got quite right whether or not it's our triggers or whatever so it's a skill set focus but I'd never I'd never call out one player in a review and say to him you know, that scrum went backwards because of you. Never, ever, ever. Because I care too much about them, and that's what we talked yeah. around with. Our... I'll be honest with them, but it'll be on a one-on-one. I'll say, mate, I've got to show you a couple of clips here. I want you to have a look and present to me what you see first. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, he'll get it, and they'll say, yeah, okay, you're right there. I know I know what you're saying, and they'll take ownership. So great, I don't need to say anymore. more. Um, and, and I think a lot of a lot of the, the you know a lot of how you deliver it and what the players want to listen to like some props aren't great listeners yeah. <laughs> you know they're reloading the answer before they've actually listened so um yeah we have a bit of fun around that stuff too but i, I think i you know to answer your question would review it individually as feedback i'd say look what are you feeling here you know what was the situation was it was it a call from the referee? Did you just miss the hit, or were you just your timing wasn't right, or were you still thinking about that tackle you missed, and then you came into the scrum and you weren't quite on where you needed to be? So, I'd do that individually. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it uh, in a team review. Sometimes I might line someone up and say, "Look, for the better of everyone, I'm going to have a crack at you here, and just to let you know, and because it's going to put everyone else on edge." But I'd never do it. You
0: know, it's quite funny. So I focus in, on a few areas as well. You know, I focus on uh, definitely mindset. All right, scrum mindset. And I focus on accountability for them. That's each guy doing his job. So, he's keeping yourself accountable. And then also resilience. You know, for me, that's important. No matter what's going on. Say, for instance, you've been on defense for the last 10 minutes. And, you know, it's draining to be able to step up to that line. You know, when that scrum has been... Indicator awarded, you need to be ready. You need to go through your process. So I often tell players, and this is what a lot of guys getting yes, we technique is important, but often in the scrum, it comes down to mindset and resilience. It's about every player pitching up and doing what is necessary. It only takes one player to go through the motions or just to try and relax, and it kills the whole team. And I believe in a pack of forwards you know, we always say it's like a wolf pack, you know, it's a band of brothers. And that's why it's so important to establish that it, it touches a bit base again on team culture, having that culture of, you know, we're going to work for each other, you know, where the props, know they need to give the foundation for the locks and the locks and you know, listen, I need to bring it, I need to bring my back five in. But listen, Jace, we can go on and on about scrums. I want to wrap this up in a little bit. But I want to touch base on a few things. Because I think, you know, we've all hit with a lot of things all over the world. Yeah, in France, when the whole pandemic hit, it influenced our preseason um, games. Have been cancelled. What was the situation with you guys? I know you guys weren't too. Wasn't we? Won't touch too much on that. You guys continued. How were things with you guys over the last year? As far as in New Zealand, and that's yeah, think, New Zealand, yeah,
1: yeah. We're 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 a little bit unique, I think, um, to the rest of the world, and the fact that. Um, a we're smaller, um, you know, and 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 B we're, we're isolated. We, we've got borders um, as such. When you look at the whole of the UK and the whole of Europe, which um, you know, so so we uh, you know our government went pretty hard early, and 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 we've got the results, and you know we haven't had it in the community touchwood for a long time. So look, initially with the players and doing zooms and Ben and lockdowns, you know, we all went through that. You know, it was tough. Um and 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 you know, we but there was some good that come out of it. I'm sure there's some resilience genes that's come out of it and people being isolated, there's there's definitely a few patients, uh, like people being a bit more patient, you know, queuing up in a supermarket, that was unheard of. Yeah. And you know, so there was some good that came out of it, I guess. But um, yeah, I know for, for myself personally, um, when obviously when I was in France with the Fiji team and I got COVID, I was very, very sick and um, myself and Richie Gray, um, who was our breakdown coach, he, mm. him and I were, you know, we were really bad. We went to hospital and it was a frightening time and uh, it was really tough on my family being on the other side of the world and tough on me, you know, FaceTiming and some pretty dark days and didn't know if I'd get out of it, let alone didn't know if I'd survive, to be honest with you, and the wife was ready to come over. and Yeah, the phone calls were hard, but hanging up uh, was even harder because, you know, you're in your room. I think I did 60 nights in total, isolated wow. between hotels over there, and and you know, in your room by yourself, and then when I got back to New Zealand, so um, look, my body physically um, is is starting to come right. Mentally, it's taken me, um, it's taken me a while to get right. Um, it's been it's been it's been it's been tough, but I'm getting through it. It's a lot of stuff that I've been working on, and I've you know I've openly admitted that and. Um, yeah, had a bit of help with some stuff and and got that sorted. But it was pretty, uh, yeah, it wasn't a time that I'd definitely like uh, to have again, that's for sure. It was pretty scary, but, you know, you get on with it. And if there's one word that came out of it for me, it's just be grateful every day and um, love what you do. Yeah, no, man, I'm I'm just glad you're good now, my brother. And, uh,
0: you know, sorry you had to go through that. But, you know, and I think... I think deep down, I think there's something different inside of you that got you through that, you know, and if you have to, when you were experiencing that, you know, and it was tough on you in the family, what was keeping you going? Obviously, your family what kept you going, but what kept you going through those
1: times? Because, you know, you, you were fighting the fight of your life. Mm. Yeah, I was. Um, what kept me going was I was just so determined to get home and see my family. I, I knew I'd get through it, but it it, it, it took time, you know. I had a lot of messages from um, a couple of real good mates the whole way that, that knew I was pretty quick. Not not many people knew how bad I really was. Um, like I, I was walking around one, you know, one foot over, after the other, like slowly, and it knocked the shit out of me. Like honestly, I yeah, it was tough. You know, three or four times a night you wake up, you'd be sweating and then you'd be cold and you know, you've lost a breath, that's pretty scary, you know. So, but you, you know, you get through it because you think, look, in all honesty, Guthrie, there was times where I just didn't think I'd get through it. Other side of the world, I remember Richie Gray and I just talking to each other, going, man, we just want to go home. And yeah, didn't go home because planes were getting canceled, you know, couldn't get isolation. It was just a real mess. And, and then you get out, you know, I got out on the, um, 22nd of December, which was my sister's birthday, and I sort of told the family that I was going to begin out on the 23rd, and turned up to her birthday uh, the day early, and that was pretty wow. special. And yeah, um, that was a that was a nice moment um, with mum and dad and stuff. But I think um, you know you just you just got to be grateful. Well, I know I'm grateful that I got through it because a lot of people haven't. You know, it's taken a lot of people's lives, but. Mm. It affects everyone differently, um, health-wise, you know. I was you know, I'm fit and healthy, I'm young still, and it's still not me for six, but you gotta yeah, you gotta get through it. And as I said, some some good messages and my wife was unbelievable at the time, you know, connecting with her and really positive and but yeah, it's just good. I'm through it now, mate. No, man, I'm great, man. Thanks for sharing
0: that with us and you know. And I always take. it's not always easy to talk about those type of things. I always tell people we always think as men, when we uh, share our vulnerability, that we are weak And for me, it's a sign of strength, not weakness yeah. and uh, you not know, going through that. And I also believe that in my coaching styles, you know, sometimes when yeah. I make mistakes or, you know, I share that even though I try to guard myself and um, I, I constantly say to my players, you know what, guys, yesterday I had a tough day. It was crazy, you know. We had experienced something in our family, but you know what? I'm here. What's keeping me positive is you guys. So I just found that by sharing that with the players, just great. And thanks, man. It takes a lot of uh, courage sharing that story with you, Uh, sharing that story with us. It was amazing. Chase, this has been an amazing chat. You know, I wanted the audience to get to know you as a coach. You know, we could have stuck this whole time just talking about scrums. And I know some of the props are going to be angry, but... I wanted people to get you in as a coach because I've seen you, you know, just following you from a distance, what you stand for. I can see you've got great core values as a human being. I can see that you're really driven to inspire your players, which you've been doing. And that, I believe, is the key to success. Just spoke to another coach last week and, uh, you know, that we have the varsity cup in South Africa. And we spoke about the biggest comeback in history. These guys were behind with more than 15 points and they won the game within seven minutes at the end. And he just said, and we spoke about egos, you know, about having someone that played at the higher level, having these specialists in there, Tim Noakes that came in, which is a world-renowned doctor in uh, sports. And he said, I didn't care who came in. I didn't care if I had international players coming. If they could help my team, I would bring them because I love my players. And that was like so the first time I heard a coach saying that I love my players. And even yeah. though you haven't used those words, I can definitely see this amazing bond between you and the players, which is just great. You know, Jace to finish or before I give you opportunity to say a few last words, props always ask me this question. Who do I believe are the informed props in world rugby at the moment? So I know that's always a broad question. We have different criterias, but if you could talk about two or three props which you really think is leading the pack at the moment.
1: Um, yes, it's, it's a good question. I, would, I didn't see too much um, of, of the international series around that Six Nations and so forth. I, I think there's a few props that, that add, um, that have got different skill sets in their game at the moment. Um, I think if you look at someone like Tani Alatupo from the Reds, like he's an unbelievable ball carrier. Um, we look at Mike Alatoa for us; um, he's an um um. You know, his scrummaging has gone from strength to strength. He's going to be captaining Manu Samoa. His skill set with his catch pass and his bounce in his game, getting off the ground and his speed around the field, is world class, phenomenal. Joe Moody's. And phenomenal lucid prop scrummager so mm. look i think um i think tyg furlong um i think as a tight-head prop i think he might you know i had a f- i know he had a few issues with his back but mm. i can see him being uh you know a bit of a force of the world cup i think he'll come back to to get a bit of form be interesting to see how he goes in that in that lions tour i know those even those c- couple of scottish boys that are in there they they got a bit about them too i think you know like zander and that sort of thing so I've pretty much just named everyone, haven't I? I haven't actually given you <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's fine. Was,
0: they're always hearing my point of view. You know, Jace, yeah. I just want to say thanks.
1: It's to- um, eh? Yeah,
0: it's hard to. No, nah, it's tough. It's not always easy. It's not always easy. Um, you know, I totally agree with you. Um, you know what? I just want to say thanks for taking the time, and uh, thanks for the short notice. You really put me under the pump getting ready for this point. but it, that's the best. It's awesome. You know, just before we sign off, is there anything you would like to share with anyone, family or friends or rugby players in general? Is there anything you would like to put
1: out there? Oh, look, I, I think if I, if I had a message for any coach or any young player or even a supporter, <laughs> mm. be yourself, be honest and care about your players. Care about them, get to know them and then coach them. But be an expert in something.
0: Yes,
1: awesome, my man. That's
0: great stuff. So, Jace, just if you just do last, but obviously you do a lot of uh, coaching as well, and sometimes you do consulting. If people are interested to get in contact, with what would be the best way? Would it be via Instagram. Is it? Or yeah, do you have by, any website or anything which you
1: currently have? Yeah, through my Instagram account um, or my website, which is FrontRowClub.co.nz. Okay, awesome stuff. So
0: I'll be adding that into the description so the audience can get in touch with you, my man. Jace, thanks for taking the time and chatting today. Get in touch, brother. Boom.
1: <laughs> no worries. Always good to see you,
0: mate. <laughs> yeah, good haircut. <laughs> yeah.